Uh, anyway, how's everyone doing? Uh, it's so funny, we had uh, lunch this afternoon with uh, uh, the, some Sutherlands and uh, Shane and Yoko Farrow, who are just back from Japan, and they were there on holiday for six weeks, which is pretty cool, and uh, tripping all around and stuff. Uh, obviously, Yoko is from Japan, and, um, and uh, they were saying that Yoko's church in Japan, or the church they, 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 they were there for six weeks, and that's the church they go to whenever they're back visiting family. They're also doing a fast in February, which is quite cool, isn't it? On the other side of the world, but they're doing it slightly differently. So in Wellington, we say, hey, we're all doing the Daniel fast. And if you can't do the Daniel fast, why don't you fast meat or chocolate or something like that? Pick one thing to give up. What they're doing over there is they're all fasting. They're all fasting and they're just drinking water. For 21 days, they're all fasting, and then they say quietly, if you can't do the fast because medical reasons, why don't you do the Daniel fast? So what we do as our hard out option is their soft option. And I just thought, wow, maybe we could grow in faith, I thought to myself. Maybe we could grow in the faith. And the pastor there at the church, he's just drinking water uh, for the whole month of February, just water. Some of them drink fruit juice as well. Uh, again, softies probably. Uh, and I thought, well, we could grow in faith. And I love what Alice says. Maybe uh, a few people said it this, morning, this afternoon already. There's actually, there's actually more in God. That's the thing about following Jesus. There's actually more. And we can so easily fall into the trap of thinking we've got it on lock. And we understand it and we've experienced it all. But the reality is there's actually more and we don't know everything there is to know. We haven't experienced everything there is to experience of God. I know I've got friends who have walked away from God because it doesn't work. Have you got friends like that? Oh, that thing doesn't work, right? Well, that's ridiculous. They maybe they followed Jesus for a year or they, or they tried out coming to church for a bit and now it doesn't work. But there's so much of God they haven't experienced and they're, they're, they're pulling away just because they've come up against something hard. But we could grow in faith. And we're really believing that as we tune into the voice of God, as we tune into what He says, what His view of us is, how He has empowered us, as we understand that through this month, uh, and, and the reason we're doing the fasting is because what that does is that, that uh, we're denying our flesh. It's as simple as that. We're denying our flesh. We're saying no flesh. You can take a month off, right? We're just taking a month off, and we're, it allows our spirit to come to the fore, right? So, for instance, if we're mixing the vocals and we've got all these guys singing up the front, uh, if we want Jack's voice to come out louder, you, you can just turn Jack up. And then you can turn another one up, and then you can turn another one up, and then you can turn another one up. If you do that, you end up not hearing anything. What you have to do is there's sometimes to get something to come through, you have to turn everything else down. And I think sometimes in our life, we think God needs to speak louder. Have you ever thought that? I just can't hear you, God, over the TV, over my Facebook feed, uh, over the distractions of my busy life, over my, my many thoughts that go round and round in circles. God, you're not talking, and God, God's just not prepared to shout at you. He's not going to shout at you because he's God. He's sort of quite cool. And when God does shout at you, you don't want to be the person at the end of that. Right? Then when God's, you know, when God doesn't shout at his kids. God's not going to berate you. God's not going to get your attention. Right? I pray that he does. But he doesn't. He's waiting for you to tune your heart, to turn your heart towards him. And that's what we're doing in this month. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced beforehand, I've been praying as we lead into the month. And uh, even just this morning, I was like, man, this is going to be a great month in church. I thought during the praise and worship this morning, I thought, wow, this is another level. You know, just because we're taking a step. Not even all of us, we're all, I hope that we're all taking a step. 
Right there, we're all moving forward. You know, I, we actually, if you take your mind back two weeks, that's what the sort of church we want to be, don't we? That we're all, we're an all church. We're all fasting. We're all praying. We're all happy. Right? We're not just pretending, but we've got the joy of the Lord, that we all have each other's backs, that we all support each other, that we all contribute. Amen? That's the sort of church that we want to be. There's a couple of things just to be aware of, and one of them is that at the very end of the month, um, on that Sunday, the February the 28th, we're not meeting here for church. We're going to meet at Sacred Heart with the Lower Heart Church, the Lower Heart Congregation, um, and that's going to be awesome. It's the, it's the last day of the fast, so you can come to church ready to enjoy a huge barbecue uh, that we'll be organizing between us and uh, Equipus Church Lower Heart, and then we'll play some touch rugby and show them who's boss, a eh? Harris. Harris will show them who's boss, uh, and uh, it will be awesome. Should we stop for a minute and pray for the Warriors? Yeah. God, we just pray for David Fusatua that he'd score so many tries. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for all. We thank you for sports. We thank you for the fun that it creates. And, Lord, we just pray that your will would be done. Amen. How many people know that Brian Houston is playing for, praying for Parramatta? Uh, yeah, it's no good. No good. Yeah. I think Jesus hears his prayers. But we've got to believe. Amen. He hasn't for a few years, though, right? Anyhow, so this month we're tuning in. Um, and so what we're doing in the preaching, uh, John and I, and uh, there might be someone else come in. We might bring someone in to relieve us if we get tired. But probably John and I are preaching through some material that's put together by a great pastor. His name's Dr. Robert Morris. And if you're a reader, you can buy his books called Truly Free. Uh, when you read it, you'll be like, oh, I've heard John come up with that great idea. Or I've heard Jordan have that good idea. Um, and it was what it was, it was the Holy Spirit's idea. And the Holy Spirit said we could steal them off Pastor Robert. Uh, and uh, if you're not into reading, how many people are not into reading? You'd rather not read. You'd more like we'd rather watch a video. Uh, all of his video, all of the series of his him preaching this stuff is all available free online as well. So Google it as well. But I think you'll find that I do a more entertaining version of his material. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, um, if you um, if you remember this morning, um, we were talking um, about um, demons, right? We don't talk about demons much in church, but that's what we're doing across this month. Is we're not we want to tune into God, and so we're wanting to tune out some of the other voices, some of the things that that really are part of our life, some of our maybe what things that we would look at as habits, or maybe they, we think of them as weaknesses. But we found out this morning that sometimes in our life we're not just someone who has bad habits. How do we know that everyone is a person who has bad habits? Spend enough time in traffic, you'll see a lot of people picking their nose, right? Everyone has bad habits, right? But sometimes our life is not just controlled by our habits. It's actually something a bit stronger even than our habits. There's something behind our habits that's controlling our thinking, it's controlling our emotions, and by doing that, it's controlling our behavior. And we read a story about a guy uh, in Mark chapter 5 who had 2,000 demons, at least, uh, and he was a little bit messed up. He was naked. He'd wander around in the, he lived in a cemetery. Um, he would scream and shout 24 hours a day, it says. And he would cut himself with sharp knives. It also said in the passage that we read that they would put chains on this guy and they would shackle him and chain him. But he would, it says that in uh, one translation I read it, it said he would just rip the chains off and break the shackles, right? Cause, and it said that no one could control him. And the reality is sometimes there's things going on in our heart that we can't control. You know, and we put chains on stuff. Have you ever tried to chain up some emotions? Just push them down on the inside. How many people know that that's a temporary solution? It is a solution, right? Like if you're at school, yeah, maybe you need to just 
No one wants to cry at school, right? Uh, if something's going wrong, or maybe you do push things down, but let's be fair, let's be real. That's a temporary thing, and things come bursting out. And some of the issues that you're dealing with in your life, you've pushed them down, you've pushed them aside, you're trying, to, you're trying to push the demon back, but really you need Jesus to come across the lake like you did for that guy in Mark 5 and cast those demons out of you. Break the power of the works of the enemy in your life so that you can then begin to move forward. Famous quote that we're going to use a lot in this month is from Jack Hayford, and he said this, about uh, about the flesh. How many of you know that we all have a sinful nature? Right? We all have a sinful nature. And he said that you cannot cast out the flesh. Right? So the, so we're all gonna we're all gonna have to deal with uh, temptation for all of our life. Right? Because you can't cast out your human nature. Because until Jesus comes back, you're still gonna have a human nature that is marred by sin, right? Do we all, we all understand that? That everybody sins. It says in the book of Romans, everybody sins, right? And we're part of that group, everybody. So you can't cast out your flesh. But on the other side, uh, Jack Hayford says, you, but you can't disciple your demon. If you have a demon of lust or you have a demon of anger or you have a demon of jealousy or bitterness or hatred, you can't just disciple that. Oh, I'm going to read more Bible about it. How many know that that's going to help? Uh, you can get some uh, talk to a counselor. How many that's going to help? It's definitely going to help, right? But actually, sometimes to get breakthrough, nearly always to get breakthrough with a demonic force, it's only the authority of Jesus because it's only Jesus who can break the power of the enemy over our life. Our discipline won't do it, but our childlike faith in Jesus can do that. How many believe it? And this morning we finished with the simple truth that um, Satan is not strong enough. Satan is not strong enough to keep us from getting to Jesus. And, and this guy who had the 2,000 demons, when he saw Jesus, he's still able to see Jesus. He ran to Jesus. Isn't that interesting? The, they could chain him up and he'd break the chains, but the demons couldn't stop him getting to Jesus. And actually, that's the solution. Harris was saying during 180 for 180 that Facebook has all the answers to all of life. Uh, and oh, unfortunately, Facebook has also all the problems for all of your life. But he was meaning that on Facebook you could find out whether the Warriors, or when the Warriors win. Sorry, maintain my faith position. Uh, amen? What was I saying? Whatever, whatever the issues in your life, they can't stop you from running to Jesus. And it's actually Jesus that makes that big difference. Amen? Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 to 24, it talks about a bunch of things, but write down the reference. You can read it in your own time. One of the things it says is that we should, and it's speaking to us as a group of people, it says that as a group of people, the church, we should give no place, or in other translations, it says give no foothold, allow no foothold for the devil. How many people have ever been to that clip and climb camping, uh, not camping, climbing thing. Uh, there's Clip and Climb's one of them. There's Hang Dog in Lower Hutt. Have you ever been to that? Give me a wave. How many people have been to Adrenaline Forest? Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool too. That's outdoors. It's actually a bit more fun out in the wind. It adds a little bit of excitement. Uh, but if you go to those climbing things, right, how many people have seen them? They have the little bolt-on 
um, footholds, right? And you've seen those people, you've seen people climbing up, and then they have the ones made for fat people like myself, right? Where I've got, notice, notice my arms, how powerful they are, right? Notice the size of my belly, how large it is. And climbing up the climbing wall is a bit of a challenging thing for me. I was there with the cubs, and then the cub leader made me put a harness on and climb up, and I was like, well, all the other boys are there. But fortunately, I was on the wall that had heaps of footholds, right? And they're just basically, the whole wall is just covered in footholds. Right? And, 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 and so you just climb up. But then we were standing around watching at the end, and uh, there was some sort of hard-out dudes there, like you know, really, really hard-out dudes, you know, that you could tell they only eat vegan meals. You know, climbers have got this sort of vibe, right? Have you noticed that? Have you seen that? They hang out in parks in the slack line, and then they ride off in their fixie to get a feed of beans and rice, right? Um, they've got big beards, and they're dressed like Jono. And there's always Laney playing in the background, you know? Uh, anyhow, these guys were climbing up, and uh, there were some guys actually a lot of my age, and they were talking about, you know, you overhear them talking about, one with talking to the instructor, oh, I just got back from Colorado, and they, you know, these guys are pretty hard out. And they were climbing up these walls, <laughs> they were just like that. <laughs> and they weren't, they weren't roped in from the top, they were uh, bottom roping, so they had to climb up and hook themselves in. And the reality is, like, for a professional climber, they, they, all they need is like a finger hold. And they can get up to the next hold. And you know, I think the devil's just like that. All we need to do is give a little chink in the armor. We need a little opening. And the devil gets something into our world and a foothold. And he has a place. And that's the warning from Ephesians is don't give the devil a foothold. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't listen to non-Christian music. And it was because we were terrified of giving the devil even a foothold. When I was growing up, we didn't know what we were. There's a whole lot of TV that we weren't allowed to watch because we didn't want to give the devil a foothold. But when you get old, you sort of think, well, I got it covered. Oh, I've got this covered. You know, I can listen to this music or I can watch that TV show and I got covered because I'm a mature Christian. But it's just not true. It's just not true. You just listen to a whole lot of, if you listen to 91ZM, a whole lot of things are going to come into your mind that are more than just ideas. They're opportunities for the devil to land on, right? And, and, and put a little marker in it. And he's got a little space where he can, now he can climb in a little bit harder. He can, he can get a bit more weight in and he can leverage you a bit harder. The reality is we should be the sort of people who are a bit more aware, shouldn't we? It's the same in amongst a group of people. And Paul was writing to a group of people when he wrote that in Ephesians. You know, it's pretty easy for the devil to get a foothold in amongst a group like Equipus Church. Like a foothold of jealousy of these people don't like those people. Or a foothold of division. White people don't like brown people. That little, that little grating, that little foothold can get in with a little joke and this little joke here. And Pirua jokes about Pirua and Pirua jokes about Kilburnie. And Kilburnie jokes about Strathmore and Strathmore. Well, they run out of people to make jokes about, right? Except that I just made a joke about Strathmore. But the reality is, it's, all those things can be fun and games. But how many people know that sometimes they can actually create a little... <sighs> You know, and let's be, let's be smart, hey? Uh, the Apostle Paul says as well, let's not be ignorant of the devil's schemes. He's always working a scheme to drive an angle. We've all got that, you know, you've got that group of three or four friends, and it would be better if it was just two friends, you know, and because there's always angles. You know the angles? Do you know what I'm talking about? And you, because you're hanging out with this friend, you can't put it on Facebook because it'll upset that friend, Right? Now, come on, Dave, we've got to break those things down and don't let those gaps come into relationships as well. Amen? Very cool. I want to talk tonight, just before we wrap up, we're not, we're not going to be here forever because it's quite warm and I'd like to go home to bed. Uh, how many people are with me? <laughs> not in my, how many people are like, oh, I'll be fine. Uh, you know, just a bit of coffee doesn't make much difference. 
Uh, apart from the function of your brain, right? Anyhow, anyhow, um, I'm going to talk about three, three warning signs, three big warning signs that, you're, that you've actually got a problem. Not just a problem with your habits, not just a problem with your flesh, but you've got a problem with demonic influence into your life. And, and it can sound a little bit dramatic, but I'm just, you know, three warning signs. It sounds a bit dramatic. It's not supposed to be dramatic. It's supposed to be, but it is important. It's important that we take seriously what's going on on the inside of our heart um, so that we're able to live out everything God's called us to, don't we reckon? Because we know that every single one of us is called, as Alison said, to, make, to change the world. Every single person has a role to play in changing the world. And if you are oppressed by the enemy or if the devil's got a foothold and he's able to hold you down, then your destiny needs to be filled, fulfilled in a future generation. You're the only one of you available to God. And so as a, as a leader of our church, I've got a passionate commitment to see everybody free, to see everyone moving forward, to see everybody growing. And so please take heed of these warning signs. Is that all right? Very, very cool. Um, you know, when you're identifying, when you're identifying a, a, a foothold of the enemy, it's just like picking teams, you know, sports teams. Or, or if you're, you know, comparing teams. Have you ever compared two sports teams, like uh, the All Blacks compared to everyone else, or you know, or uh, something like that? And you, and you go through position by position. And if you're smart, you can identify, oh, this this person has a weakness in this area, right? And it's just like that in your own life. It's not a big deal to, to identify areas where perhaps the devil's got a foothold. It's, not, it's actually not rocket science. It's just spotting those gaps where, where, the, where, where there's a weakness in your life. And it's being aware of those things can often be the biggest uh, victory, right? Cool. So the first thing you need to write down is, uh, as a warning sign is this, these two words, continued. And they're all continued. When, you, when you're struggling with, when you're battling with, continued iniquity. So iniquity is a cool word, isn't it? Continued iniquity, right? So iniquity is sin, okay? But it's, there's more than one word for sin in the Bible, but in other languages, but we usually just use the word sin. Uh, iniquity is a special type of sin. So this is willful or habitual sin. So it's the sins you decide to do. It's the things you choose to do. It's not the things you think, oh, flip, I don't know why I did that. It's the things that you, uh, that you constantly find yourself doing and redoing, uh, continually, willfully, or habitually sinning. And it's a sign that you've allowed the enemy to have a foothold in your life, or life circumstances has given the enemy an option in your world. So let's think about this. Okay, number one, everyone sins. Right? So if you were to commit a sin today, it's not because the, you are demonized, necessarily, right? I'm not saying that you're not demonized, right? Uh, but it's not, it's not that you are demonized. Everybody sins, right? And that is normal, right? It's normal that you stumble into sin, you have some bad habits, but I'm talking about continually you find, you continually find yourself making the wrong decision, deliberately choosing the wrong course of action, right? That's what I'm talking about. So some sins, though, in Hebrews 12 talks about this, some sins easily entangle us. Right, so we can become entangled in sin, right? And so you might stumble into sin, and then it can entangle you. That's also pretty normal, right? And we also know uh, from Galatians 5.17 that we all have been born with a sinful nature, right? And so it's normal that sin's happening, we have wrong thoughts, we stumble into sins, and we sometimes get tangled up in wrong behaviors, right? But all of those things, after a while, you can find yourself, it's a bit more than that. 
It's a bit more than you're tangled up in this sin. Actually, you find yourself planning and devising ways to, to do the thing that you keep doing, right? Whenever the opportunity arises, you find yourself making the decisions that put you in that wrong position. Again, it might be like a train of thought. So whenever you see that person, you have those same jealous thoughts, right? Now, that's a sin, right? Those jealous thoughts are sin, and you see that person, and you have those jealous thoughts. Whenever you see wealthy people, you have those jealous thoughts. Whenever you see a beautiful people, more beautiful than you, you have those same jealous thoughts, right? Now, that's a habitual sin because you're choosing again and again to think wrong thoughts of hatred against these people that you haven't even met, right? And the reality is you've found yourself in a difficult position, but probably in a position you're going to need Jesus to help you get out of, right? So the things you're looking for is, is this repetitive? Is it in the same area all the time? Are you choosing it? Are you going along with it? You know, thoughts come across your head all the time like that, don't they? They go like that. But how often does the thought come and then you go with it? Okay, that's what I'm talking about because you have the ability when the thought comes in to choose not to, right? Now, please understand that I have the same sort of brain as you, probably more broken than yours, right? And I have these same sort of issues and I have to deal with them in my life, right? Is it repetitive? Is it the same area all the time? Is it willful or is it rebellious? Have you ever felt yourself saying, I don't even care. I know this is wrong, but I don't even care. There's a demon at work because that's not how you think. That's how someone else thinks. That spirit of rebellion is the spirit of the Satan himself in your world speaking and empowering your soul, and you have the option to be free of it. If right now you're thinking, oh, Flip, he's talking about me, please understand that's a good thing that you're able to become aware of. Man, this devil has a foothold in my world. Because once you're aware that the devil has a foothold in your world, do you know what you can do? Remove the foothold. And do you know what the devil will do? The devil will fall off the wall. As soon as you can remove that foothold, then the devil has no access. Because we know we learned this morning that we belong to Jesus, don't we? We don't belong to the enemy. We don't even belong to ourselves. So as soon as we can remove the, the, the enemy's legal right, if you're in winf- willful sin, the enemy has legal right to that little piece of your life, right? He has legal, he has a legal foothold, right? He has a legal hook into your world. As soon as you remove the legal right, and that's only through Jesus that we do that, it's not our power, but as we do that, right? As we remove that foothold, the problem can be broken, right? Then you'll just have to deal with your habits and your sinful nature and your flesh, right? So you still have to deal with all that. Right, but you can remove that compelling force of the enemy. Is that all right? Have a look in John 8, 31 to 33. Is that all right? This is an interesting little story. And it's the, 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 the point I'm making is actually connected to the whole chapter. So it's a good one to study in your quiet time this week. Have a look at John chapter 8. Um, and if you know the book of John, um, the, it's, the, it's all connected, right? There's a woman that's caught in adultery, and then Jesus says him all sorts of stuff. Um, and then the, he's talking to the people who follow him, and then they ask a whole lot of questions. And then we're sort of at the culmination of it in verse 31, or it's getting towards the end of it. And it says, verse 31, uh, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, okay, who's he talking to? The people who believed in him. Now, the scholars will tell you some of the people he's talking to were the people who had the rocks who were going to stone the woman in adultery. Right? They're all, all these stories are connected together, right? So Jesus is talking to the people who believed in him, so some who began to follow him from that group. 
And he says, as you are truly my disciples, if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So that's what we're doing tonight, is we're wanting to allow truth to come to your world. So you can identify those footholds, and then once you have the truth on an issue, where you can say, oh, hold on, the enemy is at work in my world, I need to stand against it. Because you know the truth, the truth, that that truth, as you work it into your life, sets you free, right? Isn't that a cool promise? Isn't that a cool promise? Now, here's a bunch of people. Jesus says that too. He's saying it to them. Hey, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they're not like you. They didn't say, hey, men. None of them were like, yeah, that's good news. This is what they said. They said, hey, we're the children of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we'll be set free? Okay, are you ready? Time for a history lesson. The children of Abraham have been slaves to everyone. That Abraham, was, Abraham went down to Egypt and lived like a slave. Abraham escaped from Ur. Lived like, he, he, he lived homeless in the promised land. They went to Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They got out of Egypt. Then they were slaves to the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Egyptians again. Uh, they were slaves to the, Philist, the Philistines. They'd be slaves to everyone. At the, at the very moment that they're talking, they're slaves to Rome. Right? After they're slaves to Rome, they're going to be slaves to the Turks, and then they're going to be slaves to the British, and then they get a free homeland, right? They're not being prophetic, though. They're being, they're being ignorant. They're looking at truth and freedom himself personified. They're looking into the eyes of Jesus, and they're saying, what do you mean you're going to set me free? I'm a child of Abraham. I've never been a slave to anyone. I'm a Christian. I don't have those sorts of issues. Well, do you know what? The thing about being a Christian is you don't stop being a a person. And people have issues where the enemy gets at work, right? And your biggest problem, your biggest problem is your inability to see when he's at work. Here's two things that go wrong. Number one, the enemy comes in at work and and, and into work. You don't even realize and a relationship's destroyed. You didn't even know, right? So a, a seed of doubts or frustrations and the relationship's destroyed, you don't even know, right? Here's the other thing. The enemy comes, in to, to, comes to work in your life, right, and trips you into a whole lot of behaviors that, that are destructive and, and you don't even know it's the enemy, right? There's two things you do. Number one, you blame the other people in your world. If it wasn't for those people, if it wasn't for that boss, if it wasn't for this job, if it wasn't for my parents, if it wasn't for my neighborhood I grew up in, if it wasn't that I didn't have any money, if it wasn't that I didn't have so much money, you blame everything around you without identifying that the devil came in and brought destruction. Right? Then the other thing you do, which is just as dangerous, the enemy comes in and makes you do those things you don't want to do, this, this continuous iniquity. And do you know what you do? Sometimes you make the mistake of blaming yourself. And then you spiral into a shame spiral, which is almost impossible to break out of. So these guys were saying, it's not, we've never been slaves to anyone. We're the free people of Abraham. So they're completely in their pride now. They're unable to be helped by Jesus. But just as powerfully, in shame, you're unable to be helped by Jesus. If you keep saying, it's just my fault and I'm so useless and I'll never amount to anything, all you're doing is agreeing with the devil. 
Just because the devil scored a try doesn't mean he wins the game. You don't keep agreeing with the devil. As you need to stand up and say, no, that is that behavior is not my behavior. That uh, continuous sin is not how I choose to live. I'm choosing a different way to live. And you need to come back to God and say, God, I'm repenting of the sin. I'm confessing the sin. And I'm choosing to live in a way that honors you because I know if I can find the truth, the truth will set me free. But we're Christians. What about your thoughts? What about your pride? What about fear? What about jealousy? Cool. Jesus said in John 8, verse 34, he says, whoever commits a sin is a slave to the sin. Again, he's not talking about your sinful nature. He's not talking about your flesh. He's not talking about mistakes you make. He's talking about habitual sin or deliberate sin. Whoever commits deliberate sin is a slave to sin, right? Are you ready to read verse 35 and 36? It's the good news bit. Is that all right? John is ready, so we'll read it. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Uh, a, slave is not, a slave is not permitted as a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. Now, that's the truth. If Jesus makes us free, then we can be truly free. The reason I'm talking about continuous iniquity is not to make people feel bad about the mistakes they keep on making, but it's so that you can understand if, if I can get to Jesus, which I know I can, and Jesus will set me free, which I know he will, then I will be truly free. I'm hoping that a vision is coming to your heart of breaking through and getting away from problems that have been besetting you, right? Very, very cool. Uh, Galatians 5.13, shall we read that? Galatians 5 and 13. I'm going to turn it up in my paper Bible. It's before Ephesians. you know why? Because of General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippines, Colossians. Galatians chapter 5, 17. Um, Galatians 5 is awesome to read through sometimes. And it says this. I say to you, let the Holy Spirit, verse 16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature desires, right? The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite what the sinful nature wants. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are under no obligation to the law of Moses. Now understand, Paul's not talking in this verse about whether you're saved or not, whether you're a Christian or not. He's talking about how you live out your life. Are you living free? In the book of Nehemiah, uh, sorry, Jeremiah, it talks about at the time, uh, Jeremiah was talking about all the people in Israel, what they would do is they would live their life any old how, right? They would live their life any old, any old way. And then on a Sabbath, or a, or a festival, they would turn up at the temple with their sacrifice, they would present their sacrifice to God, and they would worship God, now check this out, as if, as if they'd lived holy all in between. Now, so Jeremiah the prophet, he's berating them as, only, only as Old Testament prophets do, because of their sin. Now check this out, right? Are you, are you ready? We do the same thing at church, right? So you live your life, 
you go leave here Sunday night and, and who knows what's going to happen between now and next week. And we've all been in that position where we've come to church and we're not right with God. Our relationship with God is not right because of the sin of our life. Now that's called being human, right? What's called being a nasty hypocrite who God hates is when you come to church and you just worship God as if everything's okay. Right? Have you ever had those friends who things aren't right, but they just carry on as if it is right? And it's, it's almost more offensive than what they did in the first place? Right? That's what we're doing to God. Now, am I saying don't come to church? No, no pastor has ever said that. Right? I'm not saying don't come to church, but I'm saying when you come to church and things aren't right, do you know what the Bible says? Put them right. Put them right and then worship. Don't not worship. God's never in heaven going to say, don't worship me. He wants us to worship him because that's how our life will then work. But he says, come on, put things right and then worship. Do you know that there's no problem with missing the target in your life? There's no problem because sin is to miss the target. There's no problem missing the target. There's a problem if you shoot the arrow, it lands on the floor, and then you change the target. Right? So you know, so I know maybe God's spoken to you, don't get drunk. Maybe God's actually spoken that to you, right? So you shoot and you make a mistake and you get drunk and then you just change the target. Oh, it's okay. Or you, you might have a girlfriend and boyfriend and you think, well, let's, we're going to live holy between now and when we get married. And you, and, you, and you endeavor to do that and you miss the target and you make mistakes and so you just redefine what God's best is. Do you know what you need to be comfortable with? You need to be comfortable saying, no, that's a miss. Let's have another shot. As long as you're still alive, you can have another shot at the target. But you're never allowed to move the target. He's a holy God. He's a righteous God. Let's not live in willful sin and then pretend it's not sin. right? Let's say, oh man, God, I am living in willful sin. Why? Because as soon as we can come to God and confess, the, the, we can take away the foothold of the enemy. If we keep redrawing the target, the enemy can do whatever he wants in our relationships. The enemy can do whatever he wants in our world as long as we keep giving him space to work, right? No doubt some of you are realizing that you've got a pattern in your life of giving space to the enemy when you need to have a pattern in your life of closing out his space. Do you know what? If you're good at giving him space, do you know what? You'll be able to close him out just as well. Right? If you know how to give him space, you'll know how to close him out, right? And this is like coaching session 101. You've got to block him out. You've got to move from the inside out. And you've got to move, don't give him any space, right? Because if you give devil any space, he'll score every time, right? Everyone say continued iniquity. The next two warning signs are less intense and they don't require so much theological discussion. Is that right? So some people are like, wow, there's two more and it's 11 minutes past seven. Uh, do not panic. Do not panic. Uh, okay, the, the, the second one is this. Uh, continued illness is a warning sign that the enemy's got some space in your world. Um, and this is actually a, is a huge one. Um, but, but we're not going to do it in huge detail, right? Um, in, in Luke chapter 13, verse 11 to 13, there's a woman who's bent over and crippled, and she comes into the synagogue, I believe, where Jesus meets her in the street, but she's bent over and crippled, which is a terrible physical ailment, and it says, though, that she's afflicted by an evil spirit, which is why she has been bent over and crippled. And Jesus says something interesting to her um, that I think is interesting. He says to her, Daughter of Abraham. 
be healed. Right? It's, it's an unusual expression that he doesn't use a lot of times, but he identifies this particular woman as someone who's a child of faith. Right? Uh, Jesus says on, talks on about the true sons of Abraham are the people who recognize Jesus, recognize his salvation. So this is a woman of faith. This is a woman who clearly is someone who's actually following Jesus, not just someone who is part of the Jewish community. And she's crippled over by this, um, this spirit. Um, and without going into huge amounts of detail, um, if, if, you, if you find yourself struggling with constant crippling injury or constant illness or, or you find yourself being accident prone. Uh, we, I know um, I've had friends who have been in this sort of position growing up real accident prone. Uh, it, it's worth just identifying perhaps somewhere in your world the enemy's got a foothold in your thinking when you think about your body or a foothold in your life when it comes to how you relate with your body, right? Um, do you know what the Bible says about your body? It says, first of all, that it's the temple for the Holy Spirit. Now, we always think, well, you know, the Holy Spirit relates with my spirit. No, the Holy Spirit dwells in your body. Your physical body is something beautiful enough for the Spirit of God to choose as a temple. It's something powerful enough for the Spirit of God to choose as a temple. It's something holy enough for the Spirit to God, of God to choose as a temple. What do you say about your body? Do you say it's beautiful, it's holy, it's powerful? Or do you say some negative things about your body? You might not even say them. You might just think them about your body or parts of your body. And do you know what you do is when you disagree with God, you agree with the enemy. And sometimes in our body, we have agreed with the enemy. I am too fat. I am too ugly. I am too tall. I am too short. I am too skinny. The beautiful thing about all of life is there's someone who has the body that you would love and they hate it. And they wish they had yours. That's the, that's the lie of it, right? That's the massive lie of it. Uh, and that's what's, what's the enemy doing is he's creating a foothold in your life through the way you relate to your body. The Bible also says that you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made, and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Those two little verses, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, are enough that to challenge the way you view your body. Probably for every single person in this room, you need adjustment in your thinking to agree with the God of the universe rather than agreeing with the enemy about your body. When we agree with the enemy, we give a, a foothold for the enemy. The other things in your body that can give, uh, that in your lifestyle that can give space for the enemy to bring sickness in your body. Is is uh, is drug use? Uh, is a is a is a is a, is a you deliberately misusing your body? Anytime you're deliberately misusing your body, uh, you're giving a space to the enemy. You need to come to God and say, God, I need to be set free in this area. Is that cool? So continued iniquity, continued illness, and the last one is continued influences. And um, I don't know a huge amount about uh, the the sorts of influences that may have been part of your life, but Anytime you've been involved in things that are of the occult, and occult just means hidden knowledge, and there's a lot of occult, that go, uh, occult practices that go around today, they're quite mainstream, um, so, uh, but anytime you, um, you know, sort of, some hypnosis, things like fortune telling and Ouija boards, um, all, any sort of alternate spirituality, uh, transcendental meditation, lots of Buddhist thought. Uh, what you're doing is you're opening yourself up to occult practice. And a, the occult just means dark knowledge or hidden knowledge. 
And the occult is always about gaining power. That's why I put Buddhism in there with the occult, because Buddhism is about trying to gain power and mastery over your soul through your own self-discipline and your own strength, rather than, hey, I'm going to get mastery of my soul through faith in Jesus. That's how we believe in Christ- as Christians. We don't pursue happiness, we pursue Jesus, and we find fulfillment and life purpose in that journey, right? So anytime you, o- you open yourself up to those sort of practices, or even if they've just been part of your family environment, or it may be people, friends, family that are close to you, that are doing some of those things, tarot cards, Ouija boards, uh, meditation, uh, or there, there's probably some other occult practices uh, that you could put in there as well. Anytime you do that, what are you doing? You're giving a foothold to the enemy. You know, we believe actually that Christ is enough for us. I don't need Christ and just to double check that I need to read the tarot cards. Another occult practice is probably buying a lotto ticket, but I haven't quite figured out how to draw the connection. But it's probably an occult practice. You're putting a trust in this fortune, and uh, it's going to make me happy. It's going to, I'm going to, luck is going to be on my side. Uh, the reality is we don't carry rabbit's foot. We don't need a lucky day. We don't have lucky colors. We just have Jesus. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's called us according to his purpose, and he's going to make all things work together for good according to his purpose and his plan, right? And the reality is that whenever you've opened yourselves up to these things, come on, all you need to do is close them out. Just close them out. If you've got stuff like that in your house, easy enough to set them on fire, right? They still sell matches at the shops, right? It's easy enough to set stuff on fire. Setting stuff on fire is a really important process. Every now and then I'll write a list of sins, Anyone ever have more than one sin to deal with at a time? Sometimes you can get behind. Anyone get behind on their administration, their sin administration? Yeah. Anyone feeling a bit behind now? Do you know a really good thing to do is to write out all those things. that You know the things the devil keeps reminding you about? The things you really regret? Write them on a piece of paper. Just write them all out in full. On such and such day, I did such and such with such and such person, and I feel terrible about it, and I'm confessing the sin before you, God. And you've got to look after this piece of paper, right? Right? Do not, not then, this is a piece of paper. It's not Facebook. Don't write this on Facebook, right? Write it on a piece of paper. And then go down the beach in the middle of the night, right? In the middle, no, well, just go down the beach when there's no one else there. Somewhere like that and just set it on fire and watch it burn. And as it burns, say, God, I'm burning up this thing because I know you, I've dealt with this in front of you. And same with those, those practices. Write them down and burn them up. Uh, and say so these are no longer a part of my life. And then what happens when it tries to push its way, wedge its way back into your world? Just close it out. Talk to a friend, pray, and push the enemy out. Amen? Amen. Let's remember the devil comes only what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. I, I, reckon, I reckon probably the most common mistake in our type of church, we're a Pentecostal, modern Pentecostal church, is I think one of the things we do is we blame ourselves for things that we should be blaming the devil. And it's actually not all your fault, the mistakes that you make. Right? It is all your problem, right? It's your problem. It's your life. It's your problem to deal with. But it's not your fault. Right? Sometimes the enemy's at work. Not all the time, right? It's not all the enemy's fault. But sometimes the enemy's at work, and it's not your fault, but it's your problem. Right? You're never going to make it the enemy's problem, right? You've got to deal with it and push him out of your world so that those issues can be dealt with. Amen? Amen. Can I pray and then we'll get going? Is that all right? How many people found that helpful? It's a bit teaching. And you know, if you're not in an e-group, you need to get in an e-group quick because you need to be in a small group to talk about some of these sorts of things. 
right? Because we, we're not all going to go around the room now and talk about our continuing uh, Ill, uh, sins, right? It'd be embarrassing enough to talk about our illnesses, right? We're not going to be talking about them in a group this size. But hopefully there's someone or a group of people that you trust enough, you can say, hey, I've got this issue. I'd love you to pray with me. And before we get to the end of the month, we'll be, we'll be praying about a whole bunch of stuff. Is that all right? Close your eyes, let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here, and Lord, we thank you that you're our teacher. And right now, I just pray right across this room that you'd, you'd, you'd spark in the hearts of each and every person uh, uh, the words that you're wanting to drop in their world so that they can begin to deal with issues, they can begin to move forward, and they can begin to find the freedom that you died for. Lord, we thank you that it was for freedom that you set us free. We don't want to just be going to heaven when we die. We want to live in the freedom that you purchased for us right here now. Just as everyone's got their heads bowed and eyes closed, the most important thing in your world is, is whether you have a connection with heaven and whether God's at work in your world. And just right now, while everyone has their heads bowed and their eyes closed, perhaps you're here and you've never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And the truth is that if you haven't, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if you haven't asked Him to forgive your sin, if you haven't made a connection with heaven through Jesus, uh, then you will always live all of your life at the affliction of the enemy. The devil will work in your world in a way that you can't control always, and you'll have nowhere to go other than to Jesus himself. And so before we close the service tonight, I'd love to pray for with together. All of us will pray together, but I'd love to know who wants to pray tonight and commit their life to Jesus, asking them to forgive their sin and making him the Lord of their life. If that's you, while everyone else has got their heads bowed, their eyes closed, just maybe you just shoot your hand up in the air and pop it back down. As soon as I've seen it, you can put it back down if that's you. Just say, yeah, that's me. To this evening, I want to make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to ask Him to forgive my sins. Or perhaps you've made that decision in the past, but for whatever reason, maybe you've walked away from God. But why don't you recommit and rededicate your life to Jesus uh, right now? If that's you, shoot your hand up. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it back down, and then we're going to pray. I haven't seen anybody's hand yet, so if you wanted to make that decision, just make it real clear. That's good. Or well, someone's going to, I'm just going to pray again. Maybe you. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, oh, I don't know about this fasting thing. I don't know about this moving forward thing. Sometimes I have a reluctance to do things like fasting or moving forward because I've done it in the past. And, um, and then, you know, you take two steps forward. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you know this feeling. You take two steps forward sometimes and one step back. But the truth of the matter is that there's, if you can engage some faith this month, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, great context in which to engage some faith and just say God I'm going to continue to believe. Do you know what? Up until the day I die I hope that I'm still believing. I hope that I'm still a person of faith. I'm still believing. Now if that's true do you know what it will mean? I mean up until the day I die some things still won't have come right. Do you get it? Because if everything's perfect I'll stop believing. But I hope that I'm still believing for something more of God, still believing for more breakthrough, still believing for more truth in my world. If that's you, just respond, maybe in your heart, maybe open your hands and you're saying, yeah, I'm going to choose to believe. I'm going to choose to engage faith in February this, this month, this, the start of 2016. God, I just pray right now for Equipus Church Wellington and we stand, we sit before you 
And Lord, we just know that this is a month of significance for us. Lord, we choose to believe the prophetic words we've already heard this morning of that you're a God of so much more this evening. We heard that you're a God that is, has got so much more for us. And Lord, we choose to do the work you've given us, which is to believe in you. Lord, we believe for impact in high schools. We believe for impact on campus. Lord, we believe for our friends and our family, even those nearest and dearest to us. Lord, we know and we believe that salvation is already at work in their heart. The seeds of the gospel are already sown. And Lord, we just pray for the joy of seeing the fruit of it in their lives. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. Very cool.